When you stay at a Verbo, the host doesn't stay with you. Because a vacation home with a stranger sounds a little bit like a horror movie. Only whole vacation homes. Always private. Book on the Verbo app. That, and that way, our good man, Bill WD-40, will be able to come on into the house. And... Uh, let's go there. And that way he can uh, get into tonight's show. And uh, where am I here? All right. Yeah, we're warm ruined here. All right. Um, we're Marty Burback, good to have you here. Nathan the, from the Quantum Show. Super Duke, Super Duke. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Hugh, for that super chat. Very much appreciate it. And uh, there we go. And who else we have? Tracy Moore, good morning to you. And NorCal, thank you, buddy, for that super chat right there. I appreciate that. We're having a great show tonight, guys. Monster talk on a Friday night. That's the way it's supposed to be. Dark Protocol, good to have you here. And Mr. Catfish, always a pleasure. Blue Cruise, nice to see you. Dry Toast, the best name on YouTube. And we're caught up. Oh, there's Joshua S. We are then caught up. There is Bill WD-40, beautiful Bill, lubing us up for tonight's show on the Spreaker side. Here we go, everyone. Horns up. Let's rock. Of Central British Columbia to you listening around the world. This, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, Talk Stream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the news wire, check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. Yeah, we got a great show of monster talk tonight. Author W.T. Watson. We're going to call him Travis around here because that is his first name. And we're going to talk about some serious, serious woo with the Canadian forest. Then in hour number three, we're going to head to the swamp. Then we're going to get in some MUFON talk and Enigma talk with UFO Report and Tim Senor. All right, let's get right to it tonight. Amazon best-selling author W.T. Watson is a coffee addict and a writer of both fiction and nonfiction. He infuses his work with his expertise in cryptozoology, monster lore, magic for Tiana, and the paranormal. Travis brings a unique shamanic and magical perspective to all of his work after 30 years of exploration on these topics. Yeah, you can find his books on Amazon. Travis, welcome to Spaced Out Radio for the first time. It's very good to have you here, my friend. 
Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to this chat tonight. Me too. Anytime you get to talk monsters, that's a good night. Did you ever think that... Monsters are always a good time, right? You got that right. (laughs) Did you ever think growing up that you could consider yourself a monster hunter when you got big and strong? Well, I I actually started uh, my interest... Well, okay, so backing up just a touch... My entree into the strange was actually my father, who was a UFO experiencer. He had a, a really intense sighting in San Bernardino, California, back in the feast. Um, you know, the, the classic cigar-shaped, you know, UFO of that time period with the purple portals and the whole schmear uh, while he and a buddy were driving do, through the desert out there. Um, he told me that story at about the same time that I picked up a comic book, a Ripley's Believe It or Not comic book on ghosts. And I was hooked on the paranormal and Fortean from that point forward. By the time I got to sixth grade, I had already read uh, Ivan Sanderson's Abominable Snowman <laughs> book. So, um, like I said, I've been doing this for, you know, doing this stuff for a long, long time. You still love it, though. Oh yeah, absolutely. Would uh, you know? Every some people say that uh, you know they have hobbies like woodworking and and um, you know games or whatever. You know, my hobby is the paranormal. Yeah, it, it, it's just uh, I, I've just always been fascinated by it. Continue to be fascinated by it. And Sasquatch is one of those things that's always had my attention since I was younger. And of course my opinions about that have evolved over time, but um, it's still a fascinating topic and it gets weirder the longer you hang out with it. (laughs) Do you think the entire phenomena is connected? I have a suspicion, you know, and in, in my, um, when, when it comes to certain, aspects of particularly the Sasquatch phenomena, but also, you know, UAPs and, and ghosts and so forth, that um, that there's intelligence back there somewhere that's messing with us. Um, yeah, I guess some people would call it the trickster. Um, I don't know what you would call it, but, you know, if you look at UFO lore particularly, you see a continuing history of these craft that are evolving over time, right? So, and it always seems to be just a little bit more advanced than what we're able to put forward. You know, we started off with those airships back in the late 1800s, early 1900s, and then we we moved into, uh, uh, you know, the Foo Fighters during World War II, and you got the flying saucers in the 50s, and you started to develop other styles of, of craft, and then we started getting the giant triangles and stuff, and now we've got Tic Tacs. And they always seem to be just a little bit more advanced than what we can field at that time. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's, it's like the, the phenomena is playing with us to keep us interested and keep us uh, moving forward in, in, in uh, you know, trying to explore these things. Um, I, I often think that maybe uh, we have a situation where something, whatever you want to call it, some intelligence, um, 
has realized that large swaths of Western civilization no longer have real rites of passage or, you know, these, these sort of initiatic uh, uh, experiences. Um, and so it's supplying people with initiatic experiences that get them off their bums and get them to thinking about, you know, things other than, you know, where's my next meal coming from or, you know, the whole Western scientific material paradigm. You know, it, it shakes a lot of people who have these experiences up to their core and really changes them. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of my theory. It's sort of an overarching that I that I think about. But, uh, you know, when, when we talk about Sasquatch in particular, um, I, I'm, I'm a bogan thinker. You know, I'm entirely okay with the idea that somebody might haul a Sasquatch out of the woods someday, that there is actually an unknown primate out there in the vast swaths of Canadian wilderness. Um, and that, uh, you know, that it's a, a real physical creature at the same time. There's also always these sightings, these encounters that are strange. Um, and so, you know, we have to, acknowledge that there are aspects of this phenomena that can't be explained by physical means. Very true. You know, so very true. I can, I can buy into the unknown hominid and I can also buy into other more bizarre explanations. I talk about that a little bit at the, at the, in the conclusion of the book, there's, you know, keep an open mind about these things. It's very much the case that, uh, you know, there are a number of different uh, theories that could explain some of the things that people are seeing. You know, whether we're talking about somebody having a spontaneous psychic experience, uh, a time slip, um, you know, or even, you know, the, the, there are, are folks that have proposed that, that some Bigfoot sightings are actually ghost, ghost phenomena. Um, you know, that we're seeing the ghost of some past hominid. Um, there's all kinds of, of ways that things that could possibly explain some of this stuff. Um, in addition to there being possibility of, of a physical presence. So um, I had had a lot of fun. Uh, I have a lot of fun, I should say, because it's, it's an ongoing thing with me um, doing the research for, for these kinds of books. Uh, and I can see why. I can totally, totally see why. For you, do you have a favorite? Is it the cryptids? Is it the ghosts? Is it UFOs in the sky? Oh, I love my monsters. Um, you know, I, I got to say, if I had to choose a favorite, and I haven't written a book about this one, but if I had to choose a favorite, I'd say probably the man-wolf or dog-man that, that, that uh, you know, Linda Godfrey brought to such, uh, brought to the forefront. Um you know, back before her, her passing. So um, great loss to the cryptozoological community. Um, her books were fantastic. I, I just loved all of them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that would probably, if I had to choose a favorite, it would be my favorite because I've always had a soft spot for werewolves anyway. Um, and, uh, and it's just such a, an interesting um yeah, I mean, there's always been these legends of werewolves, but 
the whole man, wolf, dog, man thing really kind of came out of nowhere. <laughs> you know, I mean, Linda talks about some sightings that happened in the 30s, or a sighting that, that happened in the 30s, but most of the stuff that, that she documented, you know, started off, I think it was, I think she started with Beast of Bray Road in the 90s. And, um, you know, and it just grew from there. Now, is it just that people weren't talking about those things beforehand? Or is it that this phenomenon is relatively new? Um, you know, maybe the, the intelligence that's behind these things said, oh, well, werewolves don't really freak people out too badly now. So I'm going to give them, you know, the man wolf, you know, give them something scary in the corn to <laughs> keep them thinking about things. Have you ever had don't an encounter know, yourself, I, though? I really... Um, my encounters, my my experience with the paranormal has been more in the in the, the realm of synchronicities. Um, you know where you know I will make some expression of intent, and then strange things will happen around me. <laughs> um, uh, I did live um, in a house in Western New York uh, when I was still living in the states um, that bordered a you know, a decent sized state park. And um, we had some interesting um, noises. Uh, I was walking to my, um, to my bus stop early one morning. Like I, I had to commute in Buffalo. It's about an hour ride uh, on the bus. And um, so I'd walk down to the end of my street to catch the bus. And I'd, I was walking along heard a sound <laughs> and this is the this is weird uh it sounded like a if i imagined what it would sound like if a dragon were back in the forest and it huffed at me that's what it sounded like now i have no idea what it was you know um i, I don't know it's just that it sounded like something extremely large um additionally uh in the same house um, I had now to back up again, I'm not a person who's afraid of the, the wilderness. You know, I've camped out by myself in the superstition mountains in Arizona. Um, you know, I, I volunteered as a, as a wilderness search and rescue person. I'm pretty comfortable in the woods. Um, but I had a, a period of time every fall and every spring for about a week. Um, where I, we had a big picture window in the living room where I absolutely had to keep the curtains drawn after dark, could bear to have them open. Um, and uh, it, that was the only time that I had that problem was during that, that time period, a week in the fall and in the spring. It's like something was migrating and I didn't want to see it. <laughs> Whatever it was, I didn't want to see it. Um, uh, those are, are two things that kind of stick out in my mind. Um, but as I said, um, you know, my interest has come from people that I've known, people that I've talked to, people like yourself who've had experiences. Um, you know, I, I'm not one of those, I have to see it to believe it people. Um, I tend to believe witnesses unless it's really clear to me that they're lying. I'm I'm the same way, and and you know the the theme of this show, and I, I've taken some heat over it over the years, is we believe everybody because we've never stood in your shoes, 
who am I to sit there and say, if you're, you're telling me your experience, you know, what you had happen to you, who am I to sit there and say, no, you didn't have that happen. No, you didn't. I'll ask you questions yeah. about it, but it's not my job to judge. This is your sure. experience. And, you know, it's amazing how many people in this field or have interest in this field absolutely loathe the experiencer because of the anecdotal evidence. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And that's one of the things that, that really, really bugs me. Um, anecdotal evidence is one of the primary evidences that we have for a lot of these phenomena. Now let's take Sasquatch as an example. You know, if I had to take uh, the evidence for Sasquatch into a court of law, you know, with all witness testimony and so forth that we have, uh, you know, for the existence of this creature, um, you could probably, you could easily put this to a jury, you know, as long as they were impartial. Because um, there's so much testimony. I mean, Everybody thinks that, you know, this is one of my things that I laugh about a lot of times is that, you know, there are a lot of people in the United States, myself included at one point, who thought that, you know, Canada was like this big ice sheet <laughs> that existed above the, the U.S. border. You know, people lived in igloos or stuff, right? I, I had no idea that, A, this was the second largest country in the world. And, and B, that the vast majority of the population in Canada live within 150 miles of the U.S. border. Um, you know, there are people who live out in the wilderness, but, you know, a lot, most of the population is concentrated down along the border. I can drive two miles from where I'm sitting right now, or not two miles, I'm two hours from where I'm sitting right now and be in deep woods. Um, so, you know, it's very... There are vast swaths of forest and boreal forest throughout Canada. Yeah. And we have our own Lazarus species. We lost the wood bison, the second largest land animal in North America by weight, for like 50 years. We thought it was extinct until an Alberta forestry person saw a herd of them as they were doing a flyover in a particular region of, of Alberta. Uh, yeah. So if you can lose bison in, uh, you know, in the woods and can, you could sure lose a Bigfoot. <laughs> well, hey, most Canadians don't even know that one of the biggest animals that is that is up north is the is the uh, uh, muskox. You never hear Canadians mm-hmm. talk about muskox, yet they're up there. Yeah, 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 they're up there. If, if you, you know, go far enough north, you can find muskox. You know, find all kinds. You know, you know another thing that, that people often argue is, oh, well, you know, I don't know. You know, Sasquatch could actually exist. How would it eat and stuff? It's like, have you looked at the flora and fauna available in the Canadian wilderness? I mean, they feed brown bears. They feed cougars. They feed wolves. They feed all kinds of, of apex predator type critters, mountain lions. Um, there's no reason why, you know, a, a large bipedal hominid or, or ape, whatever it happened to be, couldn't exist up here. Absolutely none. Oh, yeah. And, and you know what's funny is is I'm just curious how big they get because oh, yeah. from all intents and purposes, everything seems to get bigger the more north you go. 
The bears mm-hmm. get bigger. The moose gain about a thousand pounds. The elk become huge. <laughs> the caribou become huge. You know, wolves become much bigger. You know, uh, you know where I am, mm-hmm. they're probably the just a little bit bigger than a than a dog. But you go up north. I mean, some of those wolves get you know eight ten feet tall if you stand them on their hind legs. It's scary. Mm-hmm. There's no reason They're to think huge. that maybe up north we're not dealing with ten, you know, ten to eighteen feet Sasquatch. Yeah. Well, so here's here's another thing that bugs me. <laughs> I'm going to talk about things that bug me. Tonight. You go. Um, so there are, you know, people who do a lot of research and do a lot of field work in the Sasquatch phenomena. And, and I admire those people, you know, that can actually spend, you know, a lot of time out in the woods, you know, doing what they do. Right. But unfortunately these guys have, have some of them, not all of them, but some of them have decided that they know everything there is to know about Sasquatch and that Sasquatches are, you know, on average males are eight to 10 feet tall. Now, then you get a sighting like the one up um, at Bighorn Dam in Alberta. Construction crew spots this creature up on uh, a ridge line, and they use trees and whatnot to estimate the height. And when they go over there to look, by their measurement, this thing was 15 feet tall. Now, of course, the experts bent over backwards drawing it's funny in in the books that that i read about this particular sighting actually drew diagrams and stuff explain with progressives name your price tool you can find options that fit your budget because giving you options is the right thing to do oh yeah like when i hold the door for someone sure it may be weird if i don't time it right and they're a little too far away and oh now they're running and we're both asking ourselves is it worth it to run instead of just you know letting them open their own door but still, it's the right thing to do. So get options based on your needs with Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Venture X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking, Where next? You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Meaning how that wasn't really the case that this Bigfoot was standing on a, on a you know, a, a muck or something, you know, and they just didn't realize it. It's like, okay, guys, first of all, we don't really know what we're dealing with here. Yeah. And nobody is an expert. Secondly, you know, I use myself as an example of this. I'm seven. Yeah. The average, you know, North American male is like 5'10, 5'11 feet tall. I mean, I don't exist because I'm taller than the average. You know, who's to say that there aren't Sasquatch that are much taller than the average? And there seems to have been uh, a number of these rather large uh, Sasquatch in that particular area of Alberta, because there's there's several sightings 
from that area of, of Sasquatch that were, you know, 14, 15 feet tall. I mean, I'm not going to argue with the witness. If the witness says that they saw it, particularly some of these guys, some of these people that are seeing these creatures have spent more time in the woods, uh, you know, hunting and trapping or, or, you know, whatever it is that they do out there, hiking, um, than most people spend sitting behind their desk at work. You know, um, if they tell me they saw a 15 foot Sasquatch, then, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to buy that. Absolutely. we got about one minute to go here before we have to go to break at the bottom right. of the hour. Author W.T. Watson is our guest tonight. Are you on team animal or are you on team supernatural? when it comes to something like Bigfoot or Dogman? Are you asking me? Yes. Um, I probably, <laughs> uh, I take a more nuanced view. Of, <laughs> I'm on both teams, actually. Because, <laughs> um, like I said, I'm perfectly okay with the idea that there might be a physical uh, hominid or ape, a bipedal ape. I also... I'm perfectly okay with the native idea that this creature is something that walks between worlds and actually is a spiritual being that comes into our reality, has a solid presence here, and then can walk out of it. Um, either one or both of those things work for me. Um, I don't see why it has to be either or. <laughs> so that's that's my, my spiel for that. And, you know, it is the great debate that will continue uh, you know, until whatever happens, we get a body or something else happens, you know, uh, I don't know what's going to happen when it's going to happen, but the debate continues. You know, and even if we leave it right yeah, there, even if we leave oh. it right there, Trav, I'll, we're going to go to break here at the bottom of the hour. Okay. WT Watson is our guest tonight on spaced out radio. Yeah. Talking monsters, Canada style here on the mighty SOR. We will return right after this. Stay tuned. Quick half hour. Yeah. It does go fast. <clears throat> yeah. I'm on team. Of course, it helps that I talk about this. <laughs> oh, it works for me. I'm, I'm on team Supernatural. <clears throat> I'm on Team Supernatural. Well, you know, I am definitely of the opinion that there is a supernatural element to this phenomena. Um, you know, because there's just too many stories of weird stuff like, you know, Stan Gordon's um, Silent Invasion, uh, the Pennsylvania UFO Bigfoot uh, casebook. Um, you know, he has a story about, you know, uh, a woman who's sitting and watching TV and uh, here's something out on the porch. Thing, it's a feral dog. Takes her shotgun, goes out, walks out on the porch, and there's a freaking seven foot tall Bigfoot standing on the porch. Um, you know, and it throws its hands up like it's surprised to see her, and she thinks it's going to attack her. She shoots the thing, and it disappears in a flash of light. Now, physical beings don't do that. <laughs> no, no, you they know? don't. So. So I'm definitely, you know, I, I'm not arguing that there is not a supernatural element to this. Um, I'm, I'm arguing that it may be both, you know, because a lot of the sightings that you get are, you know, it's if you, you know, instead of Sasquatch, if you substituted in bear, um, 
would sound exactly like somebody saw a bear in the woods, you know, except that it was a large bipedal hominid or ape. The thing that bugs me about it is all of these <laughs> so-called Sasquatch hunters or researchers or weekend warriors, whatever you want to call them, they're not basing their belief that Sasquatch is flesh and blood or supernatural. They're not basing it on on research. They are basing it on their opinion. That's the danger. Right. You know, like uh, there's this guy in Vancouver. He runs around. His company's called Big Monkey Productions. Going to look for the British Columbia monkey. You know, like... It makes you sound. Yeah. Like, it make it, it make it's almost as dumb as people calling it squatch. Okay, mm-hmm. like the minute you start uh, professing it's squatch or monkey, I automatically know your research is bullshit. Pardon my language. Mm-hmm. Automatically. Know. Well, you know, I mean, because yeah, because you've got a situation where um, you have people who are dyed in wool scientific materialist types who can accept that there's a supernatural element to this. So therefore it doesn't exist. And you have people who are running databases of Bigfoot sightings that are actually uh, throwing out uh, sighting reports because they don't meet the criteria that it's a physical being. You know, there's somebody sees a UFO, they see anomalous lights, they see something that makes a little quote woo and goes right out the right out the window. Um, well, like, and, like, uh, like, I, like I've argued, there with, are no experts in this field. Oh, I I agree, and and like I've argued with people, like you don't have to believe that Sasquatch is supernatural, but you can't judge your evidence or deny evidence like the BFRO because you don't want to believe it, or you've got science so shoved so far up your hiney that you're not thinking clearly. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, I didn't want to name names, but yeah, that's who I'm thinking of. If you read Tom Powell's book, The Locals, um, he talks about how, you know, they get these sightings where weird things would happen, and they just didn't put them in the database. Yeah. They just didn't investigate them. They didn't look at them at all. Yes. You know, it's like, I'm sorry. If somebody tells me that they saw a UFO and that, you know, Sasquatch is beamed down from the UFO, then, you know, you got to follow up on that. You can't say, oh, well, that couldn't have possibly happened. You must be delusional. It's like, it's like those people that say, you know, automatically say when you say that you saw something strange like a UFO or Sasquatch or whatever, oh, you were you drinking? Yeah, absolutely. It's like, what difference does that make? How many people do you know that actually have, have gotten so drunk they hallucinated? <laughs> you know, oh, it just doesn't you. happen. I hear you. I, you know, it can I agree. dull your senses. You know, it can dull your senses, but it, it certainly is not going to, to keep you from perceiving something. And the thing is, you know, we go, we got about 20 seconds here before we're going to come back. The thing is, okay. though, the majority of people who have those sightings are some of the most skeptical people of themselves. They've already questioned everything. <laughs> Anyways, uh, thank you to Louie, Pam, W. Decker, Louie again, Deb, Hugh, NorCal, uh, Juan, can't even read my own writing, Juan, and Stephen for the Super Chats. Here we go, everyone.
Welcome back to the second half hour of Space Town Radio tonight. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Space Town Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Here we go. Author W.T. Watson is here. We're getting into the monster talk that makes us all happy, you know, because who doesn't like talking monsters? Let's just be honest here. You know, we all love it. W.T., a.k.a. Travis, welcome back. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be back because we're talking monsters, and that's always a good time. (laughs) One of my favorite things. Over your years of research, we all have those stories that stick out. Which one sticks out for you that you've investigated? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Now, just to be clear, um, I, I don't spend as much time in the field as a lot of other people do. I am primarily a collector of stories. Um, but some of the, uh, some of the, the, uh, the progressive presents adjusting to the suburbs. You used to associate crickets with silence, but since you bought a house in the suburbs, you know, crickets hate silence. If any other creature realized rubbing its legs together made a piercing high-pitched noise, they might think, maybe I won't do that. Constantly. All night long. Luckily, you can save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto. Now that's something to make noise about. Just not constantly. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. Venture X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking, Where next? You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. The stories that I collected for... Uh, for instance, my book, Mysteries in the Mist, were, were personal accounts. One of my favorites, um, and this is kind of a, this is veering off the Sasquatch topic completely, but um, one of my favorites is I, I had a friend when I was in my 20s, which was a long time ago, <laughs> um, who was a diehard D&D guy. Um, and you know, he was goth before it was cool to be goth, right? You know, with the, the black clothes, the black eyeliner, the whole schmear, right? The 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 heavy metal and, and all that stuff. Um, he was also a guy who was um, interested in the occult and the esoteric. And, um, and let's see, for one better term... Um, he was fooling around with some things that maybe he shouldn't have been fooling around with. Um, so just as set up, this old boy uh, goes to bed one night, um, gets up in the middle of the night and, you know, as you do and, and is headed toward the kitchen to get a drink of water. He 
there's a large mirror hanging in his hallway. And he um, actually looked in the mirror and the surface of the mirror seemed to him to cloud over, um, to become misty or foggy, um, like inside the mirror. And he felt the strongest compunction to walk into the mirror. Um, he finds out later. Um, he, he doesn't really Sorry, realize it that. at that time. Um, his girlfriend, who fortunately for him was sleeping over that night, um, wakes up because she hears a sound and goes out into the hallway and finds him with his face plastered to this mirror. She tries to pull him away. And every time she lets go of him, he keeps going back to the mirror. He's trying to go into the mirror. Um, she finally manages to pry him away and get him back to bed and tuck back up. Um, so he had gone from a state of consciousness to a state of trance without really realizing it. Um, and as he recounted it to me the next day, you know, he knew somehow that he was going to be able to walk into that mirror. Something was calling him from inside the mirror. And luckily for him, somebody was there to keep him from finding out if that was true or not. Now, is this, it was a physical thing. Was it, there the possibility that a portal might open in his house and he just disappeared completely? Or was he having what some people would call an astral experience where he was going to lose a part of himself into the mirror? Don't know. What I do know is he covered that mirror. He put away all those books that were questionable and, you know, pretty much reformed his life after that. So, um, that, that's a favorite story. Um, one of my favorite stories from the book is something that I collected from the Sasquatch Canada book um, that I collected was uh, a story from, uh, from the Alberta Sasquatch website of a, um, a Canadian uh, forces soldier, guy was in special operations, a whole schmear, um, who was on training, uh, on a training operation in, in, uh, I think it was Wainwright, Alberta in, the, in that area. He, um, uh, also had a, a specialization in, in electronics apparently. And this was back in the day when there were no GPSs. It was in the eighties. Um, so they were, or I guess the GPS was probably a technology that wasn't commonly handheld. It was something they had for ships and stuff. Um, so he and his partner were out, you know, in the forest looking for this piece of equipment they were supposed to repair. And all they had was a set of map coordinates. So they're driving along in their camouflage truck and they stop. They spread the map out on the hood of the car. They're looking at the map. His partner is trying to figure out where they're supposed to go. And he's looking off down, down the way a little bit, looking at a, a fire break. And he sees a deer out there. He's like, oh, cool. Because um, in addition to being, you know, a, a special operations person, he was also a hunter. If I remember right, he was a bow hunter. Um, he's watching this deer. And as he watches, 
He sees a Sasquatch charge on all fours, come to two feet, hit this deer and snap its neck, sling it over its shoulder and disappear in basically the blue of an eye. It happened so fast that he didn't even have a chance to say to his partner, hey, look at that Sasquatch, because <laughs> it was there on the boat. He described it as moving. He'd been to Africa. Um, he described it as moving like a cheetah, you know, running down a gazelle. Wow. Um, it was that fast. Now, when you think about when you think about a creature that is as big as a Sasquatch is supposed to be moving that fast, that by itself is just scary as heck. <laughs> you know, without, you know, any other considerations, that by itself is just scary as heck. You know, so, and again, I, I realize that kind of feeds into the whole physical aspect of it. Um, but we also, from the supernatural aspect that we were talking about earlier, have stories from places like the Yukon where uh, a gentleman was driving along the road, driving along a, a road, um, uh, I'm trying to remember, I think it was near, near Yellowknife. Um uh, I, I don't remember the, the city, sorry. Um, driving along the road, and as so often happens, sees a Sasquatch on the side of the road. There's a whole section in my book, Roadside Encounters, because <laughs> they're so common. Um, sees a Sasquatch along the side of the road, but the weird thing about this is as he watched this creature, it suddenly went transparent. He could see through it. And then as it moved along far, it disappeared completely from sight. It just vanished. Yeah. It didn't, you know, camouflage itself in the woods or any of this kind because he had his eyes on it the whole time. It vanished. It disappeared. Now, that's not something a physical creature can do. No. That yeah. is. So. I yeah. agree with you. Yeah. Do you. Okay. When you're collecting your stories. Are you mainly mm -hmm. looking for these close encounters that happen? Uh, when I was doing this book, um, I was looking for visual sightings. Okay, so what what you know the some of the people call Class A sightings, where somebody actually got eyes for one of these pictures. Um, I'm intending to follow up uh, with another book that's going to be more about what are called Class B sightings, or not sightings, more encounters tracks, uh, 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 vocalizations, uh, noises in the woods, you know, stone throwing, that kind of stuff. Um, and I'm going to hit that from, from a, a, maybe a little bit different angle than, than just, you know, Sasquatch is messing with you. <laughs> Very true. I, I can see that. I can totally see that. I can totally see that. Now, Dogman stories. Do we have a lot of these in Canada? Um, let me think here. Um, I know that I had a couple in Canadian Monsters and Mysteries, but that was a while back. Um, I do know they're not, I haven't run across a, a ton of sightings in, in Canada, but honestly, I haven't researched deeply into the dogman phenomena as I have Sasquatch for Canada. Um, I suspect if you go digging, um, there's pr probably 
some dogmen, uh, man wolf type sightings up here as well. I do know that that the the one um, uh, encounter that uh, Linda Godfrey described somebody actually being injured uh, happened in Canada. It was in Quebec. Um, fellow was out hiking in one of the wilderness areas in Quebec actually uh, saw one of these creatures and it, it ran down the path toward him and actually uh, bumped him or shoved him out of the way. And apparently, you know, according to him, the, the fang lacerated his hip as it was going by. Um, so it, it almost strikes you as being an accidental injury, but um, he was treated for, he treated at hospital for this thing, um, for this injury. And, um, uh, you know, he told him he was, he, he ran into a bear because he was going to tell him he saw a dog, man. But, uh, so, uh, so I got a question up. Here. Yeah. Normally I take questions in hour two, but I'm going to get to this one right now. And it is Robo who is asking, do you think Sasquatch is benevolent or malevolent while being either paranormal and or gigantopithecus? So if this is my opinion. Okay. Take it for what it's worth. But over the years of reading Sasquatch encounters and, and occasionally talking to people who've actually had Sasquatch encounters, I think it's very much the case that... that and now another no-brainer money-saving tip from Progressive. That doesn't sound good. Paper shredder's jammed, but I think I fixed it. Oh, well, try shredding these $50 bills then. Seems like it's working. Mm, better try another 400 bucks. Stop. Instead of using money, use regular paper. And here's a better tip from Progressive on how not to waste money. Don't pay too much for car insurance. Drivers who switch and save could save hundreds. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Potential savings will vary. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. You used to associate crickets with silence. But since you bought a house in the suburbs, you know crickets hate silence. If any other creature realized rubbing its legs together made a piercing high-pitched noise, they might think, maybe I won't do that. Constantly. All night long. Luckily, you can save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto. Now that's something to make noise about. Just not constantly. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. That these beings have uh, personalities. Um, and that some Sasquatch are a whole lot more amenable uh, um, to human presence around them than others. Um, I don't really like the benevolent, malevolent uh, kind of dichotomy. Um, I think that, that, you know, they're kind of like people. Some people are more introverted and, you know, more likely to, to shove people away while other people are more extroverted and likely to, to want to associate with people. Um, and I think there's definitely an aspect of territoriality. Okay. If you get too deeply into uh, one of these critters um, territory, they're going to see you out of it. Uh, especially um, because I think most of the people who do research on these on these beings will agree that if you see one Sasquatch, there's probably another one around somewhere. And there may be a whole tribe of them around somewhere, uh, a clan. I, I like to think of them as clans. Um, if there's a, a, a young one in the area, that's going to invoke the same kind of protective response that we have um, toward our own 
uh, toward our own young or a bear or, you know, any other um, fairly highly developed uh, animal. Um, they're going to get you away from their kids. So, you know, I mean, I think that uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, you, you could be standing 10 feet away from a Sasquatch and never know it um, because they don't bother to make themselves known. Um, on the other hand, though, you know, you could stray into the wrong territory and have them decide that you needed to be out of there. And they will do, they are very good at intimidating, you know, homo sapiens, <laughs> getting them the heck out of their territory if they need to. Oh, yes. Know so, that all too so well. I hope that answers the question. I know that all too well. The, the idea, though, that after all these sightings, after all these years, there are no confirmations of people dying regarding these creatures. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had a case where a person has died allegedly at the hands of a Sasquatch or Dogman? No. Uh, just plain and simple, no. I've, I've not ever, I, I, you know, I'm sure that there are, Okay, so again, let me back up. Sometimes my my thoughts outrun my mouth here. I know that there are uh, people out there that believe that um, Sasquatch are at least partially responsible for some of these mysterious appearances that happen in in, uh, in wilderness areas. Uh, you know, I mean, you have cases like the Albert Osman case, uh, which is a classic out of British Columbia, where this fellow alleges that he was, you know, actually picked up and carried off by a Sasquatch and spent time with the Sasquatch clan. Um, you know, we have the legends of indigenous people um, who seem to be kind of evenly divided about these creatures. Uh, some of them view them as, uh, you know, guardians of the forest or even guardians of their tribe. Whereas others, you know, tell stories about them abducting uh, women of the the tribe, um, you know, kidnapping children, you know, engaging in cannibalistic behavior, um, you know, and if you're going to go to the people, you know, who might be experts on Sasquatch, I'd say that the the indigenous folks would, would be the people to talk to, as they've been interacting with these beings for quite a lot longer than we have. Um, so there is in my mind possibility that uh, you know Sasquatch you know if given the right motivation uh, might harm the human being they're certainly capable of it you know anything that big um, you know and built the way they are I mean everybody the ever you know well not everybody but most of the people that have, have seen one of these creatures particularly up here in the north describe them you know it's one of the things everybody says it's just massive it was just so big that they they couldn't get over it um you know they're certainly capable of doing human bodily harm um but i haven't run across any stories where anybody has actually uh, you know, been harmed or you know knows somebody that's been harmed or killed uh, by sasquatch or uh, you know, when you start talking about dog men um, and, and, and the man wolf, um, they are not nearly as um, uh, shy, <laughs> I guess, as most Sasquatch are. 
Um, if you get into their territory, they're going to let you know about it. Um, they seem to be a lot more surly and a lot more, um, uh, you know, in your face when, when you get into a, a sighting situation with those guys. I don't think I'd want to approach a, a, a man wolf up close and personal. Um, they do engage in, again, that territorial behavior where they will charge somebody. Um, the, as I said, though, the, the only documentation that I've seen of one actually harming somebody was that fellow in the back who, who got the graze injury to his hip as the thing went by. Um, there's, of course, this story from um, Land Between the Lakes in Kentucky of, you know, a, a man wolf actually killing family. But um, nobody's ever really produced solid evidence that that happened. It, it's more in the nature of an urban legend. But again, you know, you're talking about a large, powerful creature with, you know, fangs and claws and, and, and so forth that, uh, you know, it certainly could do a human being harm. Um, and, Again, if, if given the right motivation, the right reason, you know, I, I don't see why it's not possible that that could happen. Well, you know what? Uh, I, I can see the possibility. All it takes is is running into be or being in the wrong place at the wrong time, like you said earlier. You know, if you run into an area where there's a, a youngster, I mean, <clears throat> you look at you look at bears. Bears are usually pretty docile. But you bring the cubs into play, and Mama goes Mama Bear all too well, all mm-hmm. too quickly, you know, and has no problem making sure you're dead. You know, I mean, it, it's yeah. it's now, the same way. And and you know, think about uh, there is a certain subspecies of of Sasquatch hunter that is literally hunting. You know, these creatures, uh, they're running around in the forest with guns. Um, I could see a situation where one of these guys ran into a Sasquatch, particularly a Sasquatch that was accompanied by a youngster. Um, you know, where you have basically a self-defense situation where, you know, the creature defended itself from or its its offspring from, from being harmed. Um, you know, and I don't think you'd ever find that guy. Because you know, oh, no. these creatures are large enough and powerful enough to where they could take somebody out. And again, like I said, in my mind, they tend to, to move in, in clans. Um, they're Agreed. large enough, powerful enough to take somebody out and then just make you disappear into the woods. Uh, you know, so, you know, I don't like to sit around and, and cogitate about the horrible things that can happen to people. But, you know, we have to admit that it's a possibility. Yeah, anything's a possibility. You know, you have uh, dealt with stories right across North America, but focusing on Canada here. You know, is there a difference between the creatures that we hear of on the West Coast comparatively to the creatures in Ontario East? Um, not really. Um As I looked at Sasquatch encounters across Canada, because, uh, you know, the, the book is titled Sasquatch Canada Beyond British Columbia because when 
you know, all of the people who write about Sasquatch write about Sasquatches in the Pacific Northwest and in British Columbia, right? So I thought, well, I wonder if there are sightings in Canada. And there are a plethora of sightings in Canada. There's tons of them. I found sightings in every province except none of it. Um, and I expect that has more to do with the sparse population and the, the reticence of the people who live there and talk about it than the fact that there's no Sasquatch up there. Um, or it may just be because there's not enough cover for them. I don't know. But um, <clears throat> so they're all over. But I was surprised how uniform the descriptions were as you went across uh, across uh, Canada. You know, you're describing a tall, dark, um, hairy, bipedal, hominid slash ape, typically with no neck and a conical head. You know, the, the very classic Sasquatch. Um, with very little um, uh, variation in that appearance. You know, some Sasquatch are a little larger, some Sasquatch are a little smaller. Uh, you know, there's the occasional lighting of something that could be a juvenile that's maybe five feet tall instead of eight feet tall. Um, you know, sometimes juveniles end up up trees and stuff like that. Um but the, they seem very uniform across uh, across the Canadian provinces. Where you start to see derivations is when you start to move south, um, and you get into you know like. The Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits, perfect for seeing Taylor Swift the Eras Tour, presented by Capital One. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights, and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. It never dawned on me how much walking I used to do until I bought a house in the suburbs. Like when I'd say, I'm going for coffee. Of course I was walking. But now it's like three miles and no latte's worth that. I find myself inviting people on walks with me like it's a scheduled activity. This morning, my neighbor asked me what I'm doing, and I actually said, I'm going for a walk with Nancy. Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. The Florida skunk ape territory, which seems to be a, a bit smaller, rangier creature than the, the Sasquatch of, the, of Canada and the Northwest. Um but, you know, like I said, across the provinces in Canada, very similar stories. W.T. Davis, or pardon me, W.T. Watson, is our guest tonight on Space Down Radio, Sasquatch Canada Beyond British Columbia, his latest book. We're going to get more into some of the creepy tales around Canada. And the monster talk continues at hour number two. Stay tuned. I got caught up in your story there, I man. Keep, I did. I, I keep running into the brakes. <laughs> uh, that's okay. That's okay. We got about six minutes. I'm going to uh, step away, take a quick break. I'm going to put you back okay. in the green room here. Uh, quickly here, let's say hello to people just coming in. Hi, Corey Cole. And who else is joining us here late? Hilton Whittlewood. How you doing, buddy? Nicole Sackage. Good to see you. And let's see who else we got here. Do do do. Commonwealth Andrew, nice to see you. Hi Renee, nice to have you back. See lots of people. Search and destroy, nice to see you. 
And we are caught up. All right. So, Trav, I'm going to put you in the back here like this. I will be right back. Stay tuned.
right. Pat Leal, how you doing? Good to see you. <coughs> All right. Put these back on. We got just under a minute here, Travis. Okay. Good times so far. And anybody else come in that I didn't see? Margo, how you doing? And uh, all right. My audience, when I take a break, always looks to see if any paranormal action happens or waiting for my chair to move. yeah it could happen we've had weird things happen in this studio before so it's not surprising if it does a big thank you to louie times two maggie hugh norcal juan and steven and robo and deb and w decker and pam i am pam by the way hi thin lizzie and here we go, everyone. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Hour number two of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. We very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Jalousi. Jalousi is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets a password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. I want to remind everyone that coming up March 17th through 19th, I will be appearing at UFOCon 2023 in San Francisco, California. There's going to be some great speakers there, including Science Bob, Melinda Leslie, and so many more. I will be emceeing the event. I want to hang out with all of you, so I will have time because I'm MC, not speaker. And come on down. We'd love to have you all there. Go for your tickets at ufocon2023.com. Our guest tonight, W.T. Watson, he has a great book because, you know, he's skipping British Columbia on this one because we just have way too many Bigfoot sightings. Sasquatch Canada, beyond British Columbia, Mr. Watson, welcome back. Hello, hello. Good to have you here, my friend. You having fun yet? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You're talking about weird things happening in the studio. I, I've had a couple of uh, podcasts that I've been on where I was talking about um, uh, Mysteries in the Mist, which was my second book, second book, 
there's there's a few now, so I have trouble remembering sometimes. Um, where we'd be talking along about uh, these strange phenomena that happen in mist, fog, and clouds, and the feed would just go dead. <laughs> and they'd be like, um, are you still there? Are you, are you still there? And, and, you know, it would click on and off just randomly. Um, a couple of the podcasts had to really edit their <laughs> their uh, their uh, recording to, to make it sound like I was there the whole time because <laughs> um, I kept uh, kept having or they couldn't hear me. I'd be talking and they couldn't hear me. So I I wouldn't be surprised. You know, when you, these things happen. When you look around across Canada, I mean, there are so many creatures from the Rougarou to the Green Men to Little People to Bigfoot, Sasquatch, sea monsters, lake monsters, uh, the monsters of the Nahani Valley, up north in the Northwest mm-hmm. Territories. I mean... Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. I never really thought about tools until I bought a house in the suburbs. It's like this weird homeowner test if I need a tool for a project and don't have it. And my neighbor Ted loves to give me that look when I ask to borrow a pole saw. A year ago, I didn't even know pole saws existed. And now I gotta borrow one from Ted? What is happening? Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. The Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits, perfect for seeing Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, presented by Capital One. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. There are so many legends that are out there. Does every province have a favorite one for you? Um, I don't know that I would I would group them by province. I mean, some of my favorite things for Canada, uh, when I did uh, Canadian Monsters and Mysteries, um, just like Sasquatch, it seems like every lake in Canada has a lake monster. <laughs> I, I collected any number of lake monster stories uh, from from all over Canada, ranging from Okanagan all the way over to um, uh, to Lake in uh, in Nova Scotia. Um, seems too that you guys have more than your fair share of UFO sightings. Um, again, for Canadian monsters and mysteries, I did uh, you know kind of a almost a, a province by province breakdown of some of the the good stories there you know including just really bizarre things like you know giant ufos hovering over hotels montreal and stuff like that um you know but as far as you know there being like you know every province has but having its favorite monster i, I wouldn't say that um like i said there are sasquatch sightings all over canada um, again, lake monster sightings all over Canada. I'm sure if I went looking, um, started digging, I'll bet you that there's a number of dogmen slash, um, you know, man wolf sightings all over Canada. Um, you know, certain regions, 
like to adopt, uh, you know, a, a particular cryptid, uh, you know, for instance, you know, your area, you know, British Columbia seems to, to assume that they're the only place that, that Sasquatches are seen. <laughs> there's, there's, you know, uh, an area in British Columbia that calls itself the Sasquatch, Sasquatch symbol of the world or whatever. Um, but uh, again, you know, these phenomena seem to uh, paint a, a broad swath across the entire country. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that there's so much wilderness area here. Um, plenty of places for these weird things to happen. And when you start talking ghosts and hauntings, um, those, I, when I was doing uh, Canadian Monsters and Mysteries, I had to, to I had to kind of group out Sasquatch sightings because there's so many of them, and I had to group out all the hauntings and 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 so forth, uh, except for you know things like spontaneous fires starting and stuff like that. But a lot of the the haunting stories because Canada is just loaded with them. Um, Again, I, I may end up writing a book about Canadian hauntings at some point, but I haven't gotten there yet. Well, let me ask um, you. Let me let me cut you off right there and ask you, in, in your sure. opinion, what is the most haunted area of Canada? Oh gosh, I didn't really have a chance to do, you know, extensive research in hauntings, um, but I certainly did find a, a significant number of hauntings in, in southern Ontario. Region where I live, you know, there's, there's, you know, all the different forts and so forth that have have haunting stories. But I'm, I wouldn't put my forward Canadian haunting expert, not yet. <laughs> I haven't had a chance to really dig into it yet. I'll tell you, a book that is needed. I'll, I'll even tip you off to this one. Is the haunted? Okay. The haunted Gold Rush Trail. Okay. And it's start- to look into that. And I live like three quarters of a mile from the trail, and that trail is haunted as anything. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. So have you had experiences there? Many, many experiences along the trail. Okay. And they're very well known, and the trail goes up for probably 400 kilometers, 500 kilometers of haunted. Hmm. Okay. Okay. It's amazing. So I can interview you for the book, right? There's a lot of people you can interview. A lot of people you can interview. I'm sure. You know. But uh, let's. I got a couple of audience questions here. Let's uh, get to Raz here. Sure. Sasquatch have varying factions that may not have come to consensus with humans yet. What's your thoughts? Um, I don't know that it's so much very varying factions. Like I said, uh, in my opinion, and, and again, when we talk about Sasquatch, nobody's an expert, okay? Um, in my opinion, from, from looking at all the different um, uh, stories, you know, across Canada and, and all of the things that I've read about Sasquatch in, in the U.S., um, you know, and even Yeti uh, in uh, uh, the Himalayas, uh, my opinion is that it has more to do with the Sasquatch personality, individual personalities, how they deal with humans, not so much, uh, you know, tribal or, or clan variances. Now, you know, it's possible that, uh, you know, a clan of Sasquatch, one, one 
member of that group may have had a bad experience and passed it on to other other Sasquatches so that they're more wary of human beings. But my feeling is that mostly um, we're talking about because we're talking about a creature that ex- that displays, you know, if not human level, close to human level uh, intelligence. So if they've had a bad experience with people, you know, people with firearms and so forth, um, I'm sure they pass it on to their, their fellows. And there may be groups of Sasquatch that don't care a whole lot for human beings because of those experiences. Um, but factions, I, I don't know that we could say factions because um, factions implies that there are, you know, the Sasquatches kind of get together in a big group and decide, you know, there's, there's one section of Sasquatches that decide they don't, they don't like people and another do people and so forth. I'd say it's probably more of a local phenomenon. Very true. Let's get to another question from Hilton here. What's your most bizarre encounter you've had? Um, now I haven't had a personal Sasquatch encounter. Um, you know, other than, like I said, the strange noises in the woods, you know, close to the house where I used to live. Um, so I forgot about one. One of those was uh, actually there was something out in the woods that was running along, making a sound that um, if you've ever watched Jurassic Park, um, the raptors on Jurassic Park made a sound very similar to that. Now, I have no idea what that was, but it scared my stepson so bad he went back in the house. Um, I have a theory that it might have been a northern hawk owl, um, because that's about the closest thing I could find uh, as far as birds, because it was moving from tree to tree, whatever it was. Um, But, you know, I don't know. Uh, as far as bizarre encounters go, there's a whole section of Sasquatch Canada that's actually entitled Strange Things. Um, and in that section, you have uh, Sasquatches disappearing in front of people. Uh, you have, uh, <clears throat> let's see, uh, those, are the, those are the ones that leap to mind is the, the vanishing Sasquatches are the ones that really, really mess with people. You know, you also have Sasquatches that are are associated with anomalous lights um, and and those sorts of phenomena. Uh, You know, so, you know, there's, as I've said repeatedly throughout the course of this interview, there are lots of indications that Sasquatch is something more than a, a physical creature. Another thing, uh, probably one of the really interesting ones uh, from the Stranger Things section was a um, young man, uh, I, get, I think, again, this was in Alberta. Um, they seem to have, there were, there were a lot of sightings in Alberta. Um, they had gone to uh, a local park um, to you know, basically cool off. It was August. And... Um, had been swimming in the river. Um, uh, this, this person, the, the witness was actually a child at the time that this happened. Um, but uh, they decided that they were going to, uh, you know, get out of the river and go and, and have lunch. And 
Mexico. So, you know, this young boy being, you know, he's probably 11 or 12, being full of piss and vinegar decides that, you know, he wants to, to be the, the first person at the campsite because he wants his hot dog now, right? Um, he's flying up the path, and um, the first indication that there's something weird going on is that he uh, has that smell. You know, he described it as, um, if I remember right, he describes it as, as like a, 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 a freshly washed dog that had been rolling in the mud for, for a week or been rolling in poo for a week. Um, that stopped him. And then he looks over to his right, if I remember correctly, and he sees this creature um, squatting next to a berry bush. Now, just to give you an idea how large this creature was, it's squatting. So its butt is basically on the ground or pretty close to the ground. And he said that it was still five feet high and easily four feet across. So this, this being was huge. <laughs> it was quite large. Um, so he's looking at this thing and he's like, I had no idea what I was looking at. He'd never heard of a Sasquatch, didn't know what a Sasquatch was. He knew what a bear was, but this wasn't a bear. He had no idea what he was looking at. So he's thinking to himself, what am I looking at? And he hears in his mind, you don't see me, I'm not here. And he's like, what? So he's like, what am I looking at? And again, he hears in his mind, you don't see me, I'm not here. And then he's like, okay, um, you know, obviously I do see you, I'm looking at you. And so this creature stands up which of course scared the bejeebies out of him. And um, he is suddenly seized with the thought that he needs to get out of there, um, which he does. He beats feet. He heads off toward his campsite, and the creature heads off toward a cook-off in the other direction, and that's the last he sees of it. He gets back to his campsite, uh, to the, the place where they're all doing their picnic, and he's like, I just saw the worst thing in the woods. And they're all, of course, because everybody, it seems like everybody, when you tell them that you saw a Sasquatch in the Canadian woods, the first thing they say is, ah, oh, you saw a bear. True. This kid's like, no, nah, that was no bear. That was no bear. I know what a bear looks like. That was not a bear. This, was a, this, this thing was standing on two legs and, and, you know, it had arms and shoulders and, you know, he's describing the thing. They're finally like, oh, well, you know, they start teasing him. Ah, he must have seen a Sasquatch. And he's like, what the hell? what's a Sasquatch? So they tell him, you know, what a Sasquatch is. He's, yeah, that's what I saw. But this thing actually spoke to him in his mind, uh, which to me was one of the, the, the weirder stories in the book. So a little telepathy going on there. And you've got to wonder, too, if some people aren't susceptible to this telepathic, uh, this mind speak thing, and they actually, you know, end up not remembering seeing these creatures. You know, if, if you know, maybe the thing connects with them and, and it just basically, you know, you don't see me, I'm not here. It's like a cloak. Um, this kid, for whatever reason, was uh, resistant to that or seems to be resistant to that. But if it works, you know, how many people have actually had sightings and don't remember it? <laughs> no, very true. Absolutely true. Let's get to another question from our audience here. 
for you tonight. This one comes from Search and Destroy. What is the possible population size of Bigfoot? Maybe we don't know. Oh, gosh. Impossible. We have no idea. You know, there there are, you know, I mean, there have been people who have projected numbers, um, but I don't think you can. Uh, I, I don't see a way that you can, can conjecture about population size of a creature that you can't even prove exists yet. Um, you know, because yes, there are sightings all across Canada. You know, obviously there's tons of sightings in British Columbia. So there's probably good sized population there. Um, there's lots of sightings in Alberta, Manitoba, Ontario, Northern Ontario. Um, you know, so you can conjecture that they're a good sized population. They're putting a number on it. How would you do that? I mean, seriously, uh, you know, it's not like we can go out in the woods and, and find these creatures and, and, you know, count heads. Um, cause you know, it seems like everybody that goes looking for them has trouble finding them. Um, so I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even try to, to put a size on it. I think that, um, the creatures are pretty rare, but, um, I don't know, you know, if we got a, a total head count, you know, us, Canada, so forth, if they count as an endangered species or not. Um, I suspect they might, because I don't think there's huge numbers of them. Otherwise, more people would be seeing them. Um, but I, I, I couldn't answer, you know, what the, what the population would be. All right, let's continue on here. So we've got about three and a half minutes. Hugh Mann is asking, is Dogman and Sasquatch related? I don't think so. Um, I know that there's been a, uh, well, okay. Uh, I was following up on a dog man sighting in, uh, in Pennsylvania when I lived in the States and, um, I emailed, uh, a researcher, um, who assured me that this witness didn't see a dog man, that it was actually a Sasquatch. I was like, Okay, this witness describes seeing a bipedal canid with a snout and pointy ears. There is nothing in Sasquatch lore <laughs> that looks like that. <laughs> That's a dog man. Um, so, you know, there are people who would like to say that you know, the people who are seeing dogmen are actually seeing a, a, a variation of the Sasquatch that has a snout. It's like, okay, I'm sorry, but I just don't buy it. You know, now I, I understand that there may be uh, some variation in the way that Sasquatch look. Um, there seem to be uh, Sasquatch that are more human looking and Sasquatch that are more ape looking. Um, and it just depends on who the witness is and, and what they see as to, to what kind of a description you get there. But I haven't seen any descriptions of Sasquatches having a snout, you know, like a German shepherd or a wolf. or And I certainly haven't seen any Sasquatch descriptions that had pointed ears um, sticking up 
from the tops of their heads. Um, again, like a German bird or a wolf. Um, this is the thing that really, and when you look at dogman descriptions, the man wolf tends to be a little shorter than Sasquatch and leaner, I guess, would be the way to put it. Now, again, it is a large, powerful creature, um, but it doesn't have the sheer mass of a Sasquatch, uh, according to the witness that has seen them. Um, I think the top height I've ever seen for a dogman report was something like seven feet. They usually run around the six foot range. And there may be individuals that are taller than that. Um, and I'm certain that there probably is. Um, but, you know, from having read pretty widely in the dogman literature for down in the States and then the Sasquatch literature all over, um, I don't think they're related. I think we have two different things that are, are prowling around the force. Um, and, you know, when you start talking about Dogman 2, uh, you know, it, you have to wonder, given the prevalence of, of werewolf lore, were-creature lore throughout the world, um, you know, you have to wonder, you know, if, if this being isn't a, a more, the dog man, man wolf is, is not definitely a more supernatural type of creature. Sasquatch seems to have a very physical nature. I'm going to get you to hold on right there because we have W.T. Watson, author, extraordinaire, best-selling author on Amazon. You can find his latest book, Sasquatch Canada Beyond British Columbia. On Amazon right now. We got up till the top of the hour. Fast show so far tonight. We'll be right back with more Spaced Out Radio. Stay tuned. All right, we are clear. <clears throat> okay. Flying on by tonight, man. Fast and furious. Yep. I'm. I've always been. Um... Yeah, amazed at how quickly these shows go by. You know, it's it's like an hour podcast recording takes, you know, it seems like no time at all. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's always I, I love. Uh, I've had opportunity to be on live streams with uh, with podcasters too, and uh, I, I love it when when you get questions from the audience because it's like you never know what people are going to ask. Oh yeah. I hear you there, man. Hear you there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's just so much to um there's so much to to look at when you look at any of these phenomena. Yeah, it's like I said, if you get going on um on UFOs, for instance. I mean, you're mm -hmm. more of an expert in that than I am. But, um, yeah, just the sheer mass of witness testimony, you know, all the different things that people see and all the, the different physical effects that happen to people and, uh, you know, the psychological effects that happen to people and so on and so on and so on. I mean, it can be a life's work in and of itself. I'm more of a journalist, I guess. Since I enjoy it all, I, I like to read about it all. So it just, 
Uh, yeah, I'm watching some of the uh, the stuff <laughs> comments here. It's like okay, um, they're cruising. <laughs> The Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits. Perfect for seeing Taylor Swift The Eras Tour. Presented by Capital One. Ooh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. And now, another no-brainer money-saving tip from Progressive. It looks like your luggage is over 50 pounds. Is there anything you can take out? Oh, yeah. Let me just toss all these $20 bills. Great. Let me grab you a trash can. Stop. Instead of throwing money away, move some clothes into a carry-on. And here's a better tip from Progressive on how not to waste money. Don't pay too much for car insurance. Drivers who switch and save could save hundreds. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Potential savings will vary. They are cruising. Everybody's just going to town here, talking about skinwalkers and stuff. That's that's another animal altogether. (laughs) I used I used to live in Skinwalker Country, so that's interesting. There's a counter for you. I always forget about this until I start talking about Arizona. I actually had a a, a very brief encounter observation in uh, in uh, in Arizona. It's a creature that looked a whole lot like. Do you know what a cocopelli is? No. It's a one of the the native gods. Um, I forget which tribe it comes from, but uh, I saw something that looked remarkably like a cocopelli out in the out in the desert. <laughs> I was going to do a lecture on a on a native reserve down in, in Arizona. And what is a cocopelli? Yeah, um, it's a, one of the native, one of the indigenous uh, gods that's a, a flute player. Um, I don't know much more about it than that, but it's a very strange looking critter that was, uh, you know, kind of dancing around a sagebush as I was, you know, driving around on this, oh, uh, yes. you know, on this uh, res- reservation. Yeah, I've seen that guy before. Mm, yeah. Not physically, but like on YouTube. On- social media mm-hmm. we've got about 90 seconds Yeah, the thing about that encounter was uh, I have no idea. You know, I, it was just completely random because I wasn't thinking about anything like that. You know, I mean, I'd lived down that area for a while. I knew what it was, but I mean, okay, <laughs> right? It's one of it's one of the things about these these phenomena that's that's so interesting is that they can be so random. Yeah. Um. You're talking about skeptics. 
it's it always always makes me laugh when when you get somebody who's just ah oh, that stuff doesn't exist and then they see a sasquatch or they have a ghost encounter or they you know they run into a dog man or they see a ufo or something like um it's like i was talking about earlier it, you know it, it really shakes the paradigm you know and and makes people you know more open to um just more open it opens their minds a little bit i think Oh, I would agree with you. Hold on one second here. Big thank you to Hugh once again times two, Louie times three, Thomas, Maggie, Robo, Stephen, Juan, and NorCal, Pam, W. Decker, and Deb for the Super Chats. Really love it. Come see me in San Francisco March 17th to 19th for UFO Con. Here we go. past the halfway point of Space Down Radio tonight. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We very much appreciate it. I want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Space Down Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the news wire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Here we go, final half hour with author W.T. Watson. He's an Amazon award-winning author. Brand new book out called Sasquatch Canada, Beyond British Columbia, because he's biased against British Columbia, let's just face it. He's biased. We've got too, too, too many monsters over here, and he's jealous because he lives in Ontario. Truth? I think I could have written a whole book about British Columbia Sasquatch. Nah, very true. Very true. I, I'm just teasing. We're going to continue with uh, some audience questions here for you because they are continuing to build up for you, Travis, here. So let's get sure. r- right to it. And let's go to Human. Oh, we already asked that one. Let's go to Raz. Pardon me. Do you think that Sasquatch or Dogman have a dominance hierarchy? It seems that, you know, again, the sample size is such that it's hard to say, okay? Um, Because the vast majority of Sasquatch sightings are um, single individuals. Um, As I've said, I suspect that if you see one Sasquatch, there's one around somewhere else uh, in your neighborhood um, because they are crafty. Uh, They're quite stealthy. Um, What a lot of researchers think, um, and I'm inclined to agree uh, just from some of the stories that I've read, um, is that... uh, Sasquatch travel in small family groups or clans. Um, and there's generally a, 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 you know, a male, um, female, maybe some younger ones. Um, so I don't know that it's some dominance hierarchy as it is a, uh, you know, family group, you know, and, and, you know, you, you know, a larger male that's, that's, 
kind of like uh, gorillas do, where you have a larger male that's taking care of a uh, a group uh, or family group, um, you know, helping to feed them, defending them, et cetera, et cetera. So not so much dominance, but more of a family group. And when you're talking, if you want to talk about dog men, um, I rather suspect, and again, you know, this is more my opinion than anything else, but I rather suspect that a wolf-like creature is going to have uh, more of a dominance hierarchy because that's kind of how dog packs work. Um, now, again, most of the sightings that I've seen of, of dog have been single individuals. Um, but I can think of at least one where there was a group uh, that was sighted next to a, a creek um, having a drink and, and the uh, witnesses beat feet back to their car and got out of there. Um, but I rather suspect that, you know, dogmen tend to run in packs. And so there would be probably an alpha uh, kind of um, individual or individuals um, in that pack structure. And that's really just my extension from canid behavior, because uh, that's that's pretty much how can you know? Because we see a lot of the the kind of territorial canine behavior from from dogmen. So I, I I'm kind of cross referencing there and thinking that's that's probably how they uh, kind of the social structure that they have. All right, let's move on here. Let's go to Deb. Do Sasquatch like music? I have no idea. <laughs> um, one thing that we do know about Sasquatch um, is that individuals, at least, are pretty curious. Um, there's a, a, a story in my book about um, uh, it actually comes from a, a, a UFO uh, journal. Um, where they talked to an RCMP uh, detachment um, and the RCMP officers were, um, uh, they were given a report from a group of indigenous people that were living, you know, out in the outback. They were having problems with these creatures coming and peeking in their windows. Um, you know, it's like, Basically, the RCMP is like, what do you want us to do about this? <laughs> you know, even if we could catch one, what are we going to do with it? Um, so they like to peep in, in windows. Um, there's been, I, I've seen some, you know, researchers who say that they, they like to play music or whatever in their camps to try and get the curious Sasquatches to come in and take a look at them. I don't know how effective that is. Um you know, when you ask if a Sasquatch likes music, then I think we're kind of anthropomorphizing these creatures. I don't know that they're, you know, they may be a dominant type creature, but even if they are, their social structure and their uh, their personalities and so forth would be completely unique to them. And they're not going to have had a whole lot of exposure to music unless they come and, and you know, have exposure to it around human beings. I'm sure that there are probably some sounds that they like more than others. Um, but, you know, I, I, I couldn't tell you, you know, what kind of jam Sasquatch like to, to listen to. Yeah. I find it's more heavy metal. No, I'm, I'm just, okay. cause I'm a heavy metal guy. 
right. I, I'd buy that. You know? <laughs> All right, let's go to Brown Dwarf. Uh, and he's asking, what are your thoughts on stick structures? So I didn't talk a whole lot about stick structures in, in the book um, because I'm kind of saving that for, you know, basically book two in the series. Um, we have a whole series of uh, phenomena in the woods that have been associated to Sasquatch. Um, stick structures, footprints, vocalizations, stone throwing, all of those kinds of things. Now, nobody's been able to explain why uh, a creature the size of a Sasquatch would feel the need to make a stick structure because it's obviously not uh, a shelter. <laughs> which is something that some people have um, uh, have conjectured. Um, some folks have, you know, have speculated that uh, they be territorial markers. Some folks have speculated that um, they might be, uh, let's see, uh, territorial markers or they might be um, uh, directional pointers, uh, navigational pointers. Uh, aids so to speak uh any of that could be possible um i tend to think that uh and this is for you know i i really separate from the flesh and blood researchers um, i tend to think that uh, there's something stranger going on out in the woods um, that's causing some of some not all, but some of these kind of mass B phenomena that are that are happening. Um, may I, may uh, I interrupt there for a quick uh, second? Sure, sure. Portals, different dimensions. Okay. Do you th um, do you think it can me, be either of those? Yeah, let me back up to to that, uh, or or come around to that. Um, what I was going to say is that my um, uh, my thought is that, you know, if you, and, and this is not a thought original, original to me, um, Sarai Ascat, Tim Renner, and some other folks uh, in, the, in the U.S., and podcasters in the U.S., have conjectured that if you took all of the phenomena that are associated with Sasquatch uh, out in the woods and you put it in the house, what you'd have is a poltergeist. Okay? So... Uh, my thinking about stick structures and footprints and vocalizations and all of these kinds of things, there may be something a whole lot weirder going on in the forest than just Sasquatches. But if it is a Sasquatch doing these things, then, you know, conjectures are, are as, as applicable as anything. You know, it could be an navigational marker. It could be a, uh, 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 you know, any of the kinds of things that I mentioned previously. Now, if you go to the whole portal idea, um, you know, John Keel called them window areas, uh, portals. Um, in my book, I have to get another dig in, right? Of course, um, go for it. In my, book, in my book, Phantom Black Dogs, Walkers of the Liminal Way, I talk about, uh, and in Mysteries of the Mist, I talk about this idea of window areas, of portals. I talk about the idea that um, you know, 
these things may be becoming these openings uh, into the other world or out of the other world be more common now uh, than they were just because there are more people out there that are fooling with, uh, with opening those ways. Um, if you walk into any of the large big box bookstores now and, and some of the smaller independent bookstores, you can find a whole section of things on, uh, you know, occult, Wicca, uh, ceremonial magic, uh, you know, all these kinds of things. All of these books will teach you ways, some better and some worse, to open, uh, for want of a better word, uh, a portal or, or uh, uh, open a way to another world. And, you know, if you're doing, for instance, spirit evocation, um, you're calling things through that portal. Um, and sometimes into manifestation. Um, so you have a whole lot of people now that are experimenting with these things. And, you know, if you know anything about magical lore, there's a proper way to open a way and a proper way to close a way. Right. The problem is that we have a bo- whole bunch of people who are experimenting with these things who maybe aren't practicing good hygiene and aren't closing their ways behind them. You know, they just walk off and leave it. Uh, So, you know, I think that it's entirely possible that uh, some of these, you know, portals account for uh, missed persons. I think it's also possible that some of these portals are creating, you know, some of your strange stick structures out there. Because if you have a, 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 a... uh, an energetic release um, in the forest. Who knows what it's going to do? Um, you know, uh, some of these stick structures look sp- suspiciously like stargates. You know? Very true. So, um, it's all up to know, a lot uh, of imagination if they're not real, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, so when you talk about stick structures and you, you get into the portals and you get into the more arcane um, ideas in the in the paranormal, uh, you can get really woo really quick, uh-huh. um, you know. And I don't like to say, you know, oh well, this is the way things are. But I've also, you know, from my personal experience and from um, the experience of people that I know in the magical community, uh, you start to to do some of these things, and some pretty weird stuff can happen. So. Um, I, I know a fellow who was a, a, a Wiccan uh, priest who was doing a um, was doing a wedding, doing what they call a, a wedding. It's a hand fasting to them. Right. Uh, in Arizona, in uh, it wasn't high summer, but it was uh, probably the autumnal season, which is still you know eighty or ninety degrees outside and clear, right? Uh, Open open the uh, the circle for this hand fasting and suddenly got fog off the river they were standing next to in the middle of the day. You know that fog, you know from my work in mysteries in the mist, that fog can represent a portal. Um, so fog mist that that kind of stuff can represent a way into the other world. So you know you can get into some really interesting stuff when you start looking at that kind of thing. Very true. Very true. Let's get to another question here. 
This one comes from David Lopez. How common are aggressive encounters with Sasquatch? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, most of the uh, encounters that I have seen in Canada have been, like I said, uh, you know, if you read the book, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these encounters are basically like any other wildlife sighting. So I was, I was down by the river fishing, and I looked across the river, and there was this Sasquatch. Or, um, you know, I was out in the in the woods hunting, um, uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, I looked up, and there was this Sasquatch. Um, so, typically, uh, most encounters are not aggressive, or at least the ones that I've I've seen and researched. Um, However, um, like I said, there seem to be some Sasquatch that are not particularly happy with people, uh, don't want to be around people, and will chase them out of their areas. Their Sasquatch have territories that they, uh, they don't want people to get too close to. Um, if I had to put a number to it, uh, just from from my research, maybe ten to twenty percent uh, are, are uh, encounters that people might count as as aggressive. And even in those encounters, most of the time, it's not so much the Sasquatches running after somebody or chasing them or whatever. It's that sheer unreasoned terror that descends on people that makes them want to get the heck out of there. Um, and you know, there are people, I saw somebody flash up here about infrasound. There are some folks, some Sasquatch researchers that believe that, that, uh, that unreasoning terror may be a, a result of, uh, of infrasound. I'm not so sure. Uh, in some ways, you know, it's like the flesh and blood researchers keep adding all these things to the Sasquatch's, um, you know, capabilities. It's kind of like, you know, if this creature is capable of doing all the things that these guys are saying it can do, it's basically a superhero. You know, mm -hmm. why can't we accept that there, there may be a supernatural component here? <laughs> oh, oh I, I'm um, very true. Very true. But, you know, for some reason, I call it the Caucasian scientific background that, uh, mm -hmm. that yeah. we... Um, don't want to abide by when it comes to First Nations legends. And yet, where would we yeah. be without those stories initially? Yeah, where would we be without, you know, First Nations culture in general? I mean, the, you know, if you look at the, the U.S. Constitution, it has a very... Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. I never really thought about tools until I bought a house in the suburbs. It's like this weird homeowner test if I need a tool for a project and don't have it. And my neighbor Ted loves to give me that look when I ask to borrow a pole saw. A year ago, I didn't even know pole saws existed. And now I gotta borrow one from Ted? What is happening? Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. The Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits. Perfect for seeing Taylor Swift The Eras Tour. Presented by Capital One. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights 
and 10 times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Strong uh, uh, influence from uh, from uh, Seneca. Uh, 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 what's the tribe? Algonquin uh, laws that were in effect long before you know European settlers out there. Um, so, but you know, back to the question: um, as far as ing- aggressive encounters go, uh, you know, they're 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 not the majority of the cases that I, uh, that I looked at, um, like I said, maybe 10 or 20%. And, and the vast majority of those are simply that unreasoning terror that descends on people and makes them want to get the heck out of there. Very true. That, you know, there's, there seems to be some stone throwing and those kinds of things that happen to, um, that, you know, tell people, Hey, maybe you should move the campsite somewhere else. <laughs> Let's go to Eric. Could it be shamanic, as in these creatures, and did we learn it from them, or did they learn it from us? Um, when you say shamanic, um, so shamanism is a you know spiritual path that, that reaches back tens of thousands of years. Um, do I think that? Uh, so I guess the best example of, of uh, you know, shaman cultures in, in North America would be your indigenous folks. And the indigenous people definitely believe uh, all, all of the, the tribes that I, that I looked at had some word for these creatures. Um, the indigenous people seem to believe for the most part that uh, the Sasquatch is a world walker. Yes. It, it has a spiritual aspect, and then it is capable of moving uh, from that spiritual realm, other world, into our realm and assuming a physical form. Um, in esoteric lore or uh, magical lore, um, we have a similar idea that there are creatures in the other world that have a capability moving through what's called the etheric realm and gathering substance from the etheric and manifesting physically in our, in our world. Um, same kind of idea. So shamanic or magical, either one. Um, it's kind of the, the theory I hold to most when I, when I think about Sasquatch, because it explains a lot, you know, it's like, why can we not find one of these creatures? Because they can literally walk right out of reality if they want to. Well, well to find now, a, to a find a left by that. Sorry, to find a left track, right track, left, right, right, you know, and so on and so forth. It's impossible. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we have any number of of track, uh, you know, single tracks. It's like okay, well, if you do tracking, that doesn't typically. Uh, happen and yes, I have Manly Hall <laughs> and a lot of other stuff. Um, I was looking at comments, sorry. <laughs> but you all have, you know, a number of trackways that will go out into the middle of a cornfield and disappear. Now, the flesh and blood researchers have a heck of a time with those things. They try to explain, well, well they left across to this other area. It's like, okay, again, why are we making this creature a superhero? 
why not just admit that there's something weird going on here? <laughs> but uh, as far as did we learn it from them or did they learn it from us? Um, human beings have been doing shamanic work for th literally thousands of years. Um, I think that the Sasquatch, you know, if I had to, to, you know, put my money into a particular pot, I think that the Sasquatch is actually a creature of the other world that also can exist in our world. Um, so it's shamanic in that aspect of being able to walk between worlds. I hope that answers the question. We have 90 seconds left with you tonight, W.T. Watson. I want to say uh -oh. thank you. We got to do this again. This was fun. Oh, absolutely. And I, and I apologize. <laughs> absolutely. I apologize to everybody's questions who uh, we did get to uh, bring them up next time. We have them on, and uh, we will get to them. Uh, tell everybody where they can find your books. Okay. So, um, again, just to, to reiterate, you know, my name is Travis, but I write under W.T. Watson. Um, and you can find all of my books. There's four of them now on, um, on Amazon. Uh, they're available uh, uh, as a paperback, and they're also available um, on uh, as an ebook. Um, if you have Kindle Unlimited, it's free. <laughs> so, what more could you ask for, right? Very true. Um, Very true. As far as interacting with me, I'm on all the social media platforms too: uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, and Instagram. So. Well, it was a pleasure getting to know you tonight, and I cannot wait to get you back on because it's going to be a lot of fun again, and you got a lot of interesting stories to share with us like you did tonight. Uh, Travis, thank you so much for coming on Spaced Out Radio. Very much a pleasure to have you here. It was, it was, it was a blast. I, as I was telling you on the book, I really enjoy these opportunities to interact with people and think about questions. Excellent. Find all his books over on Amazon under W.T. Watson. Coming up next, we're going to head to the swamp. Then our resident Timbit, little Timmy Senor, will be here for the UFO report. We'll be back with hour number three of Spaced Out Radio right after this. All right, we are clear, my friend. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Oh, you're very welcome. That was that was. That's fun. <laughs> like I said, I really do enjoy these opportunities to interact with people, and you never know what people are going to ask. You got that right. Um, it's just so much fun to to actually. Um, uh, it's so much fun to actually have a chance to to interact with the people who either are readers or you know could be readers. Um, so Agreed. Uh, I really appreciate you having me on. All right, we'll do it again soon, my friend. You take care. Okay. Good night. All right. Take care. Have a good night. Bye. W.T. Watson. Great guy. Great guy. All right. I will be right back. Timmy, do you want to come in early or do you want to wait? No, Timmy's eating a buttercup right now. <coughs> be right back.
I am back. Oh, yes. Gandalf from Croatia. Right on. Once I get it up, I get to put my map here. <laughs> Once I get my map up here, I get to uh, put Croatia on there. Uh, Raz, it's always funny when you do squeaky farts during live broadcasts of hockey games. Yeah. Twenty seconds. Thank you to our super chatters tonight. Robo times two. Gandalf, Vaughn, Hugh, Louie, Thomas, Maggie, Robo again, Stephen, Juan, uh, NorCal, Hugh, Deb, Louie, W. Decker, Pam, and Louie again. Here we go, everyone. Let's do this thing. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. What do you got for us, Clam? Jalousy. Jalousy is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio. Instagram, at Spaced Out Radio Show. And on TikTok, at Spaced Out Radio. It is time once again to head to the swamp, our resident Swamp Dweller takes us on another spooky journey. Hi, Spaced Out Radio listeners. This is Swamp Dweller. It's time for your nightly dose of spookiness on the show. If you have an interesting encounter or a spooky story that you would like to share, be sure to submit them in at swampdweller.net. You can also find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash swampdwellerreads. Now, let's chill out, relax, and together, let's enter the swamp. So this event happened to me about an hour ago at a park near where I live. At around 11.30pm on July 12th, four friends and I played Sardines at a park near us. Sardines is a game similar to hide and seek where there is one hider and the rest are seekers. However, once a seeker finds a hider, they hide with them as the remaining players continue to seek. And the game only ends once everyone has seen the initial hider. We played this game in a semi-forested area called Wego Park. It was pitch black except for the bright full moon. Between 11.30 to 12, we played about two games. The first game went great, with each of us adjusting to the new environment and competition. 
However, it was pretty creepy even before what happens next. The second game started fine. However, it became more disturbing as two friends and I were grouped, trying to find the hider. I, along with them, moved very slowly to avoid crunching on leaves or stomping on grass, to hear for possible hiders. And soon enough, one after another, we all heard something. I was the first person to hear anything. I quickly split off to find a quiet spot to hear something again, and very soon I heard a rustling in the bushes from a small concrete pathway that went through the park. The brush was up against a wooden fence. That was the border of someone's backyard, I do believe. So, when I heard rustling coming through, I stood still to see if it was just an animal or if it was my friends who had initially hidden in the bush. A few seconds later, I heard a whispering from that same bush. So, in a goofy moment, I rushed towards the bush, saying, I hear you, to see if I could scare whoever may be in the bush. But my friends did not respond. I started walking away when I heard a whisper again. However, this time I understood what it said. Whoever was in the bush was repeating, I hear you, back to me. But it just sounded wrong. As soon as I heard this, I returned to the small group of friends still seeking and told them about what had just happened. Their response shocked me even more. One of them said that earlier when they were seeking alone, they saw a pair of legs sticking out of the same bush and heard rustling. After all of us talked about the eeriness of the bush, we slowly walked back to the base, a tree on the other side of the park. We soon found the hiders and told them what had happened to us. They were hiding far away from the bush, across the park from the bush to be more precise. We were getting things ready to go when the same friend from earlier noticed a flashlight or a phone flashlight shine from where the bush was. Naturally, this freaked all of us out. Heading back home, we were all trying to comprehend what had happened near the frontier. Suppose it was some homeless guy or just an animal, even though it responded to me yelling at it. Whatever it was, I really hope I never experience it again when we're back at that park playing. And that's why we love the Swamp Dweller around here. He takes us on spooky journeys every Monday through Friday night here on Spaced Out Radio. If you want to hear more of those stories, head on over to his YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Swamp Dweller Reads. He's got thousands of stories just like that for you. And once again, they are all free. From the swamp to the stars, let's bring in our resident Timbit, little Timmy Senor in the UFO report. Nobody's going to know. They're going to know. My friend, how you doing tonight? I mean, what a wild, wild few days here in the UFO world. I mean, from from uh, criminals to government contracts to trying to sneak into the government to everything in between. Man, I'm worn out of UFOs, man. I'm worn out. It has been a really busy week. I... I um haven't stopped taking calls all week. It's been super busy. And, um, you know, we've had a lot of ups and downs and our audience has been super supportive. And this was definitely an amazing week for podcasters in just that we've really covered the news and been a part of it and been able to change for the better in lots of ways. So fantastic week. Yeah, it really has. And, you know, 
I don't recall a, a week as controversial as this one. I really do not recall. And I'm glad some of it is over. I am glad that we're moving on. But breaking news today again. Breaking news today. I mean, when does this end, man? Yeah. Well, it, hopefully it doesn't. Because, True. you know, let's ride this wave as long as we can and be happy that we have so much movement on this topic. But um, since you're so close to this one, I would love it if you would just kick off the UFO news for tonight, if you don't mind. I, Are you I, okay with that? I'm very good with that. And, and I'm going to tell you, oh, cool. I could do, I almost did a full Dave 101 on this as a sidebar to this show. Because this really upsets me. And I don't know why it grinds my gears, but Tim, MUFON just doesn't seem to get it. And next week, we're going to have Bob Spearing on from MUFON, and I'm going to ask him about this. Okay, but you have to remember there is a giant, giant... Uh, split between the MUFON board of governor or board of directors and then the state directors are the people who actually conduct the investigations. And this is where it gets a little strange for me because 50 plus years ago when MUFON came out, okay, Project Blue Book was going on. There were a number of secret talks going on and people trying to learn about UFOs. And MUFON really started as a group for the people to try and be the watchdog for the people when it comes to UFOs and the experiences people were having. Fast forward 50-some years, and now they're trying to get into bed with the government. So I'm going to read this to you, Tim, and we're going to take some time on this. Okay. If you're looking for it, I put it out on our Twitter. If you're looking to move out of your parents' place, you could really cut expenses by bundling your car and renter's insurance with Progressive, which is good because your little brother has gotten really territorial. You're blood-related. You'd think it would be fine to share food in the fridge. I mean, who writes their name on every individually wrapped slice of cheese, Tyler? Still, you've got to admire the commitment. So bundle your renter's and car insurance with Progressive and use the savings to help you move out and have all the cheese you want. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. The Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits. Perfect for seeing Taylor Swift The Eras Tour. Presented by Capital One. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. This is uh, the director's message. This is from David McDonald. And he goes, or it's titled, MUFON Faces an Interesting 2023. Well, folks, another year is in the books. It is true that time flies, and the older I get, the faster it flies. We saw some amazing advances this year. The CMS has undergone a major overhaul, as has MUFON University, and the overhaul is ongoing. 
Our research and investigation facilities have technologically advanced to the point that, that we are darn near at cutting edge. And this is where it gets a little controversial for me. One of the most exciting projects of the year is MUFON being recognized by the United States government as a leader in UFO slash UAP investigations. In fact, it has been nominated to be the civilian component on the currently developing UAP panel. This nomination is totally bipartisan and has been introduced in both the House and Senate. It is over 100 signatures so far. Below is a copy of the letter of resolution from the Honorable Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, Department of Defense, All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, 1400 Defense Pentagon, Washington, D.C., 20301. Dear Dr. Kirkpatrick, we are writing to request that you give full consideration to the Mutual UFO Network to serve as a civilian component on the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Task Force. For 53 years, MUFON has gathered and investigated reports of UAP worldwide. No, they've investigated UFOs, not UAP. Averaging 10,000 to 12,000 sightings per month. The organization uses scientists, photographers, and forensics experts to investigate each UAP and can prove that 92% of the events are explainable. Over the past few decades, they have had various contractual relationships with the DOD to provide information to the ATIP program regarding sightings of interest. Their network includes over 5,000 members, 60 or 650 trained investigators, and organizations in 48 countries. We understand that the All Domain Anomaly Resolution Task Force was established by an amendment in the to, to the 2021 NDAA sponsored by Senator Kristen Gillibrand. Under this amendment, the task force has the following duties, developing procedures to synchronize and standardize the collection, reporting, and analysis of incidents, developing processes and procedures to ensure that such incidents from each component of the department and each element of the intelligence community are reporting and incorporated in a centralized repository, established procedures to require the timely and consistent reporting of such incidents, evaluating links between unidentified aerial phenomena and adversarial foreign governments, consulting with other departments and agencies of the federal government and partners of the United States, and preparing reports for Congress. We recommend that MUFON be selected as one of the non-state actors as they interact with multiple stakeholders worldwide and have a large database to share. In addition to this, MUFON was formally requested to provide monthly and quarterly statistical reports to selected departments, which reports will provide a clear insight into the scope of the UFO UAP phenomena. This is an incredible way to start the year, McDonald says. Thanks to every one of you. And all of us at MUFON wishing you a happiest of New Year's. See the problem here, Tim? They just oh, sold. Yeah. MUFON has officially and publicly sold out. Well, there's a lot of moving parts here. And I've made some notes before and during you reading this. And I'd love to just kind of hit you with some of my broad strokes here. So... Right off the top, 
Um, we have that MUFON is wanting to become the civilian component to Arrow. Um, I'm wondering if this uh, letter kind of that we have directly to Dr. Kirkpatrick was made first and we're getting in response um, their acceptance into it, or is this just per the request at this point? And also, it's um, is it because of its reports that it has already been requested to be making of the quarterly statistical reports? Is it because of those reports that now MUFON is feeling that it is um, obliged potentially to take on the civilian component? And is this also a public demonstration of a way to initiate funding from the government well, for its potential interaction? This is what I've known from talking to a couple of MUFON members today who are literally looking at leaving the organization. Okay, and these are longtime members. They are upset. MUFON's mantra is to be the voice of the people, to be non-governmental, to be a group that overlooks everything the government is doing as a watchdog for this phenomena. But Dave McDonald, their executive director, who turned who uh, received the job. Okay, after Jan Harzan was arrested for his antics that we're not going to get into. He's always wanted to be a part of the government process. That is not what MUFON is about. MUFON is supposed to be for the people. Why would you or anybody now give a report to MUFON knowing that your report that you have filed privately is going to get into the hands of the United States government. Now, there's a lot of people who will sit there and say, MUFON sold out a long time ago, and we know they've tried to. They did with Robert Bigelow in 2007. Okay, we know when the To the Stars Academy came out, they Jan Harzan was begging and pleading to get some recognition from the TTSA. It didn't work then, but now it's working. I think it's disgusting. MUFON has gone against the grain of everything that they stand for to play in the government puddle of UFOs. They could have made, if, if they had a proper PR department that actually knew how the media works, they would have made a lot of news the last five years. But MUFON has always had a problem. Every time that they get in trouble with something, they sweep it under the rug. They have this attitude that if we don't talk about it, it never happened. The Jan Harzan incident, the John Ventry racism incident, selling files to Robert Bigelow, a private corporation, in exchange for money, which they never got all their money. And now this. I don't know why anybody would want to swim in MUFON's pool now. And I do know right now that there are a couple of states with very powerful people who are going to be reviewing their options. And, I, and, and I'm going to be honest with you. I'll say it out loud right now. The entire board of directors, if they supported this for MUFON, need to resign. 
and members of MUFON, and I know there are a number who listen to this show, you need to write a letter to MUFON, Board of Directors, asking for their resignations. You've paid to be in MUFON. You've paid to be trained. You've paid to be an investigator or a, a state director. And this is what they just did to you. They threw your reports under the bus for government coffers, government money, and a government position of recognition. It is an ugly, ugly day for people as members of MUFON. And I don't know how they recover from this. I really don't, Tim. And, I, and once again, full, full-fledged, I have never been a part of MUFON. I did speak at their their uh, conference last year in Denver, Colorado, where you and I met face to face for the first time. Then we went to Vegas, <laughs> right? Indeed. But yeah. I think this is an absolute disgusting day for Mufon. This is not a day that they should be proud of. They just screwed fifty some years of research to get into bed with the government agencies. Your thoughts? Yeah, and so I have two questions I would love to fire directly back at you. So um, I personally had a great MUFON experience, and I feel like the people that are involved are amazing. Now, it may be a broken mechanism, and that is a different story that we are talking about right now, but I must say that the people that are involved in the organization independently and individually outstanding individuals and personally helped me and my family cope and figure out how to deal with our UFO um, sighting. Um, Now that's just on a personal note and I won't get back into that, but um, they, I was, so MUFON was part of advising the committee for the public hearings. Is that correct? That I don't know. Okay, I had heard that they were asked to advise um, for the public hearings in 2021. Um, And if you are against the idea of MUFON in particular being a civilian component to Arrow, um, do you feel that there's an organization out there that has been well-established potentially that could be a better representative for a civilian component, um, an inner inner goer between arrow and the public move on move on the problem is okay most and i have troubles understanding this and i've had people in MUFON try to explain this to me the board of directors has really nothing to do with the state directors and what their investigators do they just collect the evidence But Dave McDonald, their executive director, has wanted to be one of the UFO big boys for a long time and has always felt that MUFON has been misdirected, misguided in regards to their role with the U.S. government. That's not your job to be a part of the U.S. government. Your job is to take care of the people who have these reports. It's like I never agreed, and and there's and I've argued with people with MUFON. I've never agreed that they have a star team that keeps 
reports quiet. If you are getting information from the public, okay, your job is to make sure that that public knows what is going on. You're not supposed to be hiding things. Doesn't matter whether you filed a report or not. MUFON has made a great difference within this community. But they sold out. And that's all on the shoulders of Dave McDonald, who has been an ego tripper about this, very publicly within the UF, uh, between in the MUFON community over the last number of years. And this is what he wants. It isn't what the membership wants. The membership now has to find their will in their way. I was talking to one person today about it uh, right before showtime. And that person was telling me that they may quit over this. They may pack it in, wondering what was their hard work for if it's all going to the U.S. government? Who's going to give us, Tim, zero? Right. And isn't this also kind of along the lines of a case or um, a story we're going to be covering later tonight? Um, But isn't this the same thing that Enigma Labs has come out recently since December and said they also want to do? And we're going to get into more MUFON and more of the Enigma Labs when we return on Spaced Out Radio. Little Timmy Senor and the UFO Report continues on the mighty SOR right after this. Stay tuned. We're clear. Two seconds here, Tim. I find it funny that uh, Enigma Labs erased everything off their Twitter yesterday that they posted. Way to go, Alejandro. That's up front. UFO Ho 420, welcome to SOR chat again. Obi Flett, thank you, man, for that great super chat. Obi Flett. You're awfully quiet there, uh, 
Timbit. Hey, Super Lou, Super Lou, wearing his cape while eating stew. That's all I got, Lou. That's all I got. Yeah, buddy. How's things going up there in the Great White North? Um, need some snow. Need really? some is snow. It, is it warm? No, we keep getting this stupid crosswind that, you know, goes like right through your jacket. I hate that wind, by the way. But it's been sunny. Sunny, cloudy, sunny, cloudy, sunny, cloudy, and no snow. I figure we need about another three feet of snow to make sure that we don't get hit with the forest fires this year. Yeah. Yeah. Got to build up a bunch of <clears throat> fluid to put that out. That's for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is very sure. And you guys have a bunch of reservoirs up there. Oh, dude. My, I'm, in an hour's drive, if you, if you put, put a circle around my area an hour's drive around there's about 500 lakes wow that's beautiful pay parker how are you strip that sweater dave Ooh wee there you go hey i'm loving the swag on your website by the way hey where's random guy Random uh, guy. <laughs> Say his name. Here, hold on. We'll call random guy. Random guy. Uh-oh. What come we calling? Tap a cocktail glass. He's probably out on the town painting the town red. Random Indeed. guy red. It is Friday, so... Gloria, right. how, how are you? I stopped in at Gloria's show the other day just to say hello. Awesome. Uh, we'll be getting into Enigma here in a second, sweet Louie Pie. You remember uh, Warren's song? He's my Louie Pie. Puts a <laughs> smile on your face, 10 miles wide. Stash is so good, makes a grown man cry. Sweet Louie Pie. <laughs> oh, come on. That was freaking brilliant. <laughs> that was freaking brilliant. Everything you do is magic. All right, here we go. Four seconds. All right. Round of third, we're headed for home tonight on Spaced Out Radio. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for joining us. Very much appreciate it. 
Want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davy the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram, Spaced Out Radio Show. And Tim, are you coming down to San Francisco with me for UFO Con 2023? I'm going to try. I'm the MC. Yeah, I'm going to try and be your sidekick. I am the MC there. Great speakers going on. Go get your tickets. Hit up Laurie and Fenton at uh, UFOCon2023.com, March 17th through 19th. Old Davey will be there, so would love to see you there as well. All right, right before the break, we were getting into MUFON, how they have sold out to the government. Well, the board of directors has. The state directors and the people who do the real awesome work have not. And I'm just going to reiterate this. I really think the state directors have to call an emergency meeting. I know some states have already called emergency meetings in regards to progressive presents adjusting to the suburbs i never thought i'd care about gardening until i bought a house in the suburbs but now i find myself in conversations about liquid fertilizer and i wonder am i the fertilizer guy now (laughs) no no way everyone knows the ratio between phosphorus and nitrogen right yeah i'm still totally cool Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. The Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits. Perfect for seeing Taylor Swift The Eras Tour. Presented by Capital One. Ooh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. This uh, letter that Dave McDonald put out, and I really hope that those states uh, get together and they have a very serious talk about the actions of their board of directors. And look, one thing I want to say is MUFON does great work. I think they do. And you have to separate the board of directors who run the business side from the people who are actually boots on the ground doing the research. Okay, just like I said last half hour. You have to be able to separate the two. And what the MUFON board did, led by Executive Director Dave McDonald, was literally took all their statistics and basically said, here U.S. government, here military, here Enigma, Take them all. Take them all. They're all for you. You want names, phone numbers, emails, underwear size? It's all right there. It's all right there. And once again, the people with boots on the ground are getting screwed. So my advice to anybody, any state director listening to this, gather your states around and have an emergency meeting. And then ask for the board's resignation over this. Stick up for the people. MUFON is the only group that has the ability, if they wanted, to stick up for the people, the public. And I know people are not going to agree with me. I don't care. 
I already know people in MUFON who are agreeing with me. That's how I got this opinion. Let's move on to Enigma. What do you got new, Tim? Well, it's mostly the connection to the topic that you were just talking about there with MUFON wanting to come out and become the civilian component for Arrow. Because recently in the news, it looks like Enigma Labs, a global platform for unidentified aerospace and undersea phenomenon sightings, is now accepting submissions for members of the aviation community, including general aviation pilots, flight instructors, students, military aviators, and others. And so according to the officials with Enigma Labs, an independent, by the way, private technology company that is for profit, by the way, not a non-profit, a for-profit company building an empirical reliable network of UFO sightings to support aviators and researchers investigate efforts and aviation safety having been hindered by a lack of coordination and access to quality information. And so with the reports being submitted through their website, you are being asked to potentially keep yourself um, anonymous. And so a lot of the reports, although they'll be uh, made part of this system, uh, there would be potentially the anonymity uh, factor still involved with these reported sightings. And so with now this new push for this independent company to come out and, you know, potentially represent the uh, general aviation community uh, with all of their UFO sightings and obviously for sale information, making themselves available to the government and Arrow. And I'm wondering, does this send up red flags for you as well, knowing some of the people that are working within this company and in particular, perhaps their PR guy, um, just really dropping the ball, getting the real purpose and direction of what this company is all about out there. You know what? I, uh, as I stated last night with Louis Borges on the show, all right, the fact that they are trying to remain anonymous on absolutely everything is not good for ufology. And there are rumors flying around left, right, and center on what is going on. Now, if the rumor is true that Peter Thiel is the one backing this financially, he has the money to do it. This is a guy who helped co-create PayPal. He was one of the earliest and first investors into Facebook. If you Google him, he's worth between 4 and $8 billion. He's got the money to do this. The project of Enigma does not bother me or whatever their goals are. What does bother me is that they are trying to snip people from our field, get them to sign NDAs, and then not allow them to speak that they are actually a part of Enigma. And the funny part about this is this. Yesterday, they stirred up a bunch of controversy on their Twitter account. Well, it's all been erased. It's all been erased off their Twitter account where they were saying, you know, we don't work with government. We don't work for anybody. We are independent. And in the next sentence says, we are now working with Arrow and NASA. And Enigma is also speaking 
at a conference that NASA is putting on privately with the branches of the military being there, Avi Loeb being there, Galileo being represented, and Enigma. Who's a part of Enigma? The only ones we really know are, are what we learned off of LinkedIn. Alejandro Rojas is their marketing and content director. Now, people will know him from the International UFO Conference, or whatever it stands for, one that I will never be invited to, nor do I care. Okay, this is a gentleman who claims to be a journalist, but he's never worked in journalism. He is also claiming that he is doing, uh, that the SCU, Scientific Coalition for UAP Studies, and Enigma are working together which my sources within the board of SCU have said, no, we are not working together. So that's it. Yeah. Right. But yeah, why, I... why erase the tweet, Tim? Why erase the tweets? Yeah, that is highly suspicious. You wouldn't if there was nothing to hide, obviously. But um, the fact remains that it's one of those things that we absolutely need to have at some point some civilian component and some kind of public oversight um, within the arrow. And the dialogue needs to at some point include how the public is going to get information on what is being done on the topic because at this point we're only getting secondhand information and you know occasional news stories and breaks now i am very suspicious of any new company that wants to collaborate with the government um on you know public information because especially as you've highlighted it a lot of those cases are anonymous now i don't know how they validate anything when it's anonymous now I don't know if it's anonymous to the researchers or to the public or if it's just to everyone. But again, that'll be, you know, something to look into more. Um, but my investigation on their website is that there's very limited access without the pay for play aspect. And so mm -hmm. we'll see further as Here, we dig into it. Louis Borges brought up a good point last night on this show. And what he said was people don't trust companies. They don't trust organizations. They trust the people within the organization who are representing the organization. All right? You go to a car yeah. lot. If you don't like your salesperson, you're not going to like the product. Then what do you do? You go to the next lot and you find something that interests you there. Or you find another salesperson. For them trying to keep their staff hidden and silent... Makes zero sense. Removing tweets just because people are questioning things does not make sense. Okay? I've been chatting through the show. People have been seeing me through the show looking at my phone. I've been chatting with, with a, a couple of reporters out there. Real journalists. Not self-titled ones. Who we've been talking about Enigma tonight. And I've been asking him point blank, are you involved? No, we're not getting involved. We are not getting involved. Too many questions. Don't even know who's involved. 
There's no need for this secrecy unless they are going against their public persona and actually signing contracts with the government. No need to hide. None whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah, and I hate seeing the money grab when it comes to public information, witness accounts, people's pain and suffering potentially, you know, um, and definitely that is kind of what it's looking like here from both MUFON and Enigma Labs now. And so that, um, you know, right off the bat sends off many red flags absolutely. as it should. Absolutely. You know, so you're absolutely 100%. You can't right. trust people who are not identifying themselves. Like we found out on Twitter that Ben Hansen, from television fame, the former FBI agent, will be working with MUFON. Okay? I'm sure he got a pretty penny. Because some of the numbers that I'm hearing that are being thrown around, and I will not give up my sources on this, are pretty incredible. That the majority of us would take that contract. If you didn't have scruples. But the secrecy of everything, the removal of tweets. I mean, hey, if 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 he if they remove that because of what we said on the air last night where we went through everything word by word and how it looked like a grade nine student wrote what was on their website. So be it. So be yeah. it. And by the way, you know, one of the things that Alejandro Rojas, who is a part of Enigma, very publicly right now, stated on his own Twitter account was that he didn't want to, something along the lines of he didn't want to feed the trolls. Okay. Well, when I looked down the list of who was questioning on the first tweets, there was Stephen Greenstreet, love him or hate him. There was myself and a few others. Calling Mr. Journalist, okay, you're a journalist because you say you are, calling journalists trolls because you don't agree with their line of questioning is not very journalistic. It does not have much journalistic integrity to put down another journalist. And if you have a problem with that said journalist, you pick up the phone and you call them out. And you talk to them. Yeah. That is the role of a PR person if he actually knew how to do the job of a PR person. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, there is obviously a fair amount of money that is predictably going to be available to a real group that comes out with information that could be used in some way, in a positive way, to enlighten Arrow. And it seems like there's all these groups coming out of the woodwork hoping to bid for this in their own way, whether it be in writing or coming out publicly with a brand new website that is so shiny but f lacking any information whatsoever from Enigma Labs um, or any of the other independent companies that are coming out hoping to claim that they are independent and can come up with legitimate research. Um, I mean, obviously we're seeing um, some of the recent 
companies that we even covered earlier this week erasing their tracks. And so at least at this point, the numbers are going to dwindle down to the but if you real players. Him, everything is going into secret mode. Okay. And why do you think that is? Nicole Too many Sa- skeletons I, I was talking in the Nicole, closet. I was talking to Nicole Sackage before the show. Okay, and she brought up a good point. This is exactly, and I'm not familiar with the Condon report. I apologize. I should be. Okay, but this is apparently exactly what happened right before the Condon report was released a number of years ago. Yeah, but couldn't a lot of people argue that that report was to kill people, you know, to kill the truth and send people off into a uh, the wrong direction, um, you know, potentially. I'm just thinking that why these companies would go into silent mode is telling me that they're wanting to remain in a position that the government would still find them attractive that Arrow would be like, well, they're still working quietly enough and the public doesn't care about them enough um, that we could work with them, you know? But again, I also feel that they potentially have skeletons in their closet. And if the likes of someone that likes to dig looks too deeply, they may not survive the uh, airing, if you will, of their closet and wouldn't make it possibly to the coffers of the government and uh, get in on the money grab that is the new UAP topic. Not UFO, but UAP. UAP is a cash grab. UFO Absolutely. is real. Uh, uh, brilliantly put. Brilliantly put. Okay, as we got about four minutes to go here. You know, if Enigma Labs didn't have anything to hide, they would be going at it a, a much different way. Look, if they have, let's say Peter Thiel threw millions of dollars at this to set it up. You want to keep that quiet? Fine, because it's a private corporation. You're allowed to keep that quiet. You're allowed to keep your board of directors quiet. But why not announce who your investigators are? You are asking the public to trust you with some of their most personal information on what they've experienced, much like MUFON. And all you're doing is turning it over to the government. That's all you're doing. Right. Well, let's consider for a fact that this is a fairly new company. In fact, if you go to their very scant but beautiful website, you'll see that they're looking for very crucial roles within their company still and probably don't have Who a lot has of the members. roles now? Who outside Nobody. of Alejandro, outside of Alejandro Rojas, who has the roles now? Because well, we I don't know, know they're looking they're looking for a chief information security officer, community manager, the dev ops personnel, the lead data scientist is an available yeah, we went over position. This. We went over that last that night. That is scary information to yeah. know that they don't have any of these roles fulfilled. That tells yeah, but, me yeah, but, that they're looking for funding before what roles, fulfillment. What roles do they have filled now? Yeah. Okay. You can go on LinkedIn and you can find a list. Okay. You can find a list of who works for them. And that list, there's only one person from our ufology there. That is Alejandro Rojas. Okay? Yeah. That's it. There is a list of about 9, 10 people there. Okay? They're gathering the data. They're going to scrub the data for the government. That's what they want to do. 
even though they're saying that we're not in cahoots with the government, but we're in cahoots with the government. Okay. And I'll show you the tweet. Let me go to my Twitter handle here for a second. If I can find it here. It's from, let's see. Where is it here? Here it is. The tweet read yesterday, we are excited to collaborate with groups like Arrow and NASA to improve UAP reporting and scientific research. We have always been and continue to be private and independent with no government or big tech affiliations. But they're working with Avro or Arrow in NASA. Yeah. So many problems with that statement. And by the way, <laughs> so many conflicts. That tweet, that tweet has been erased. Their uh, terms and conditions that was put out on Twitter yesterday was erased. It's not a real good way to start business. If you're going to be erasing tweets because you're afraid of people breaking it down and real journalists breaking it down. Yeah. It's, it's going to be choppy. It'll be interesting to see though, where it lands because at this point, um, you know, we don't, we don't know enough. I would like to see something positive come because we do need something like this, but we need the transparency. We need the public access. And I don't like the fact that you have to pay for membership before you can get full access to cases. That's frustrating. Yeah. And MUFON does it for free. But even so, even with MUFON, there's only a layer you can get to. Um, When you become a member, then you have full access. True. True. Tim? Very, very interesting uh, UFO report tonight. It's been a fun week. Been a very, very fun week. Appreciate you, my man. It's been nutty. Yeah. Appreciate Swamp Dweller coming on in and chatting with us with another spooky story. And very much appreciate author W.T. Watson coming on in, talking monsters of Canada. We got Mr. Ron Bubblefoot Thaw rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bubblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio, rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at home, at work, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight, YouTube, Twitch, LGAP, Space Travelers Club, Spreaker, LinkedIn, and on Twitter at hashtag Spaced Out Radio. Remember, this show is copyright by Space Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us. Because together, my friends, we own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Woo Train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we've got room for them, too. Good night.
Adventure X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking, where next? You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. I never really thought about tools until I bought a house in the suburbs. It's like this weird homeowner test if I need a tool for a project and don't have it. And my neighbor Ted loves to give me that look when I ask to borrow a pole saw. A year ago, I didn't even know pole saws existed. And now I gotta borrow one from Ted? What is happening? Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers.